Hello, I'm Liam Bogar, Head of Brand Strategy at MadKudu, and this is the MadOps Podcast. Once a week, we're bringing you insights into how marketing operations plays a critical role in creating a frictionless customer journey. Today's episode comes from my regular weekly call with MadKudu co-founder and Chief Revenue Officer, Francis Burrow. Enjoy! Okay, hi Francis, how's it going? Hey, pretty good, how about you? Doing good, doing good. Um, so I wanted to talk to you today uh, about something we talk about, uh, a term that comes up a lot in MadKudu, which is the frictionless customer journey. And I kind of just wanted to open it up with, what is a frictionless customer journey? Yeah, awesome, that's a great topic. And maybe I'm gonna jujitsu this and ask you, if you think about your experience as a buyer, either in software or just in regular life, maybe what was the best purchase experience you ever went through? Uh, um, I mean, it's not really software related, but um, last year I got engaged and uh, I basically spent uh, like 12 months walking by the same jewelry store because I knew that my fiance's mom had gotten her engagement ring there. So I was like, okay, this is the place I'm gonna do the whole thing. And basically for like 12 months, I walked by and I had the ring, I looked at it, it was in the budget, it was good. And I was like, okay, the day I need it, that's the one. And so finally, uh, a year ago, I just walked into the store and I really didn't know what to expect. Um, I don't know about you, but I've, I've now only bought an engagement ring once in my life. It's kind of something you only do once. I wasn't really, I didn't really know what I was supposed to do. I spent a lot of time talking with people, reading online. And when I went in, I didn't really know what to expect. And the experience was just really smooth. Like the second I walked into the door, after I got by the security guy who makes sure you're not there to rob a jewelry store, uh, someone was just like, oh, do you want to have a seat? And I just, I was immediately with an aide. And, and the, the whole experience was just really smooth. She was, do you know which one you want already? I said, yes. You know, I knew exactly which one I wanted. I was an easy customer, except I didn't end up buying that one. I bought another one. I bought one that was cheaper, that was not even on display, that I hadn't even seen. But she just took me through the whole experience, talked about what I wanted, and kept you know, teaching me about what it meant to buy a rock that was found in the ground that was tied to a piece of gold um, and and uh, the whole experience just by the end of it I didn't like I walked out of the store and I bought the ring and I kind of I expected it was going to take longer but it was done in 12 minutes right no, that's awesome um, and uh, and I guess like what what do you think made the experience feel frictionless so one one thing I notice as I think about it is I, I don't ever feel like I was waiting. There was no, please take a ticket. You know, the very old school retail thing of like, uh, you know, when you go to Ikea to return furniture or something. Uh, and, and there was no, even when I was, even when she was going to get rings, there was always something for me to do. And that was valuable. I wasn't, I mean, for her, I was giving her time to go do stuff. But, but for, for me, I was learning, I was seeing the different types of patterns. What's, what's trendy right now. What, why do people make different choices? And, and it really just went through a very smooth process. And then as I came back and she would ask me like, okay, so you, what do you think given what I showed you? And she, she had something no matter what answer I gave her. You know, I would say, oh, well, I really like uh, the emerald. And she was like, great. And she had a box full of emerald rings. And I, I just felt like that whole process, I was never left to wonder whether this was a good idea or whether I should walk out or should I think about it a little more and yeah. Right, and it seems to me like it really felt like she was guiding you through the process to make sure that in the end you came out with the best ring possible given what she knew to be in stock. Yeah, like um, I, she, you know, like one of the first questions she asked was what's my budget and I made it pretty clear where it was. I didn't know if it was high or low. I just knew what my budget, I knew my budget. I definitely knew what I could afford. 
Um, and I'd seen in the, in the window, the branch, I knew I wasn't getting the like, oh my God budget, but I knew I was above the, you know, I was, I was in there and I just felt like the whole time, like she really tailored every next step to exactly the question she'd asked me before and the answer I'd given. Right. No, that's super interesting. I think the, to me, like the big things that come out of this, there's one, which is the, like the no waiting, I think is super important because you're saying like, you feel like it's, it's frictionless in the sense that it feels like the experience is just one flow. Like you walked in and from there on, you kind of went through an entire journey of, you thought you knew what you wanted and you got educated. There was like a consultative approach to the whole sales process of figuring out what it was that you were interested in, what were the reasons behind that interest and figuring out yeah, what's the best offering based off of all of that. Um, so I think that's super, uh, it, well, thanks for sharing. It, it's super relevant, I think, because it, it goes to show, like, if we look into our, you know, day-to-day life, there's a ton of experiences that uh, we go through when we're buying uh, different things that are sometimes frictionless. And how can we learn from that to actually, you know, provide the same experience for our customers if we go back to the world of software? I think the most basic one that comes to mind is this waiting period. Like if you think of today, someone trying to buy your software, the first thing they're going to do is come and request a demo. They're going to wait for an answer from an SDR. Then they're going to have a call with that SDR. It's not going to be very consultative. It's going to be a lot about you filling in a form of what is your budget? Do you have authority? All of that. Um, so you're not really necessarily gaining a lot of education there. And then you go into another waiting period until your next meeting with the AE. And that's generally when you start getting into the I guess the core value of the of the sales process. So definitely the the waiting period resonates a lot, like a, like a very important element to uh, to that and to making it frictionless. Yeah, I guess it, I probably would have been deterred from buying if at some point they asked me like, "So are you, uh, are you are you getting engaged? Like, are you planning on getting like that?" Would have just felt like a very like, well, yeah. I mean, I wouldn't be here if if, if that wasn't what I wanted, right? And um, yeah, I, I think like. I, I guess the big thing for me is where where do we start? Like like Madku has a process today, but let's take uh, any any SaaS product, whatever one you recently bought. Where do you start if you're trying to remove friction? How do you identify friction? What does it look like? Right, and I think this is so. That's an excellent question, and I think one of the things that people forget to do is to actually go through their own process. Like it's funny how sometimes as marketers and you know, especially when you're either VP marketing or even in marketing ops, like you start building this vision of like what you want it to be. And then as time goes, you implement new processes, you put in place new um, products and new pieces of technology. And you don't necessarily realize how far away it, you're, how far removed you are from your customer. And I think I would engage, you know, recommend every one of our um, customers and listeners to actually go and you know, book a demo with the email address of a friend or whatnot, and just actually see what it entails. Uh, we ran this process with, uh, with Guillaume Cabana at Thrift uh, um, a couple months ago where um, triggering a bunch of uh, demo requests through uh, Mechanical Turk, we looked at how long it generally took people to actually reply to the demo request, what the type of replies were. And it's just baffling to realize that most demo requests, you know, take over two days to, to generate a response. So that means that someone who's you know, high intent requesting a demo is then gonna have to wait for two days to receive an email from an SDR 
then be able to book a demo or to book a meeting probably like another three days later. So now you've spent five days from, I requested a demo because I wanted to talk about this to I'm actually, you know, on a call with someone. Um, and, and that definitely is something that when you actually get to experience it and actually go through the five days of waiting until that meeting, have that meeting and schedule another time with the AE and wait that period just so that you really feel how long it is, uh, for someone to go through that. I think that's really the first step, uh, um, to go through. Yeah. I mean, uh, I remember doing that at, at my previous job. And I feel like, especially as a marketer, you're like, oh, I really want to understand the journey because my goal is to influence it. But then you, when it's so long that you lose attention, you forget that that's what you're supposed to be doing. And then all of a sudden you get an email. Like, I mean, if I got, if I got an email for a demo press two days later, I have to remember why I requested the demo. And I've had 48 hours of life go by. Right. And, and it's a, when you, when you sit in it, you kind of see, um, but okay. So I mean, but I can understand from a sales and marketing perspective why an SDR might take some time to follow up. And I can understand why the call isn't immediately when they send the email. And so, where, like, is that whose fault is that? I guess right. is the question. Why, what's yeah. the problem? Right. So the, the problem generally is that is, is the process, which is really interesting is how as we try to generate more scale in our acquisition capabilities, we've actually also introduced a lot of friction because we've introduced these cumbersome processes to make sure that we optimize everything internally. Mm. Um, and I think lead routing is a perfect example of that. Um, so this is something that happens for a lot of our customers where one of the reasons why um, like bigger companies don't want to have, you know, to display the reps calendar directly after a demo submission is because they don't yet know which SDR is going to be assigned to that lead. And the assignment itself can take up to five minutes and sometimes even 30 minutes. And that's because they're going to be using, you know, products like lean data or other things to go into account matching, to do some fuzzy lookups, to figure out, is this someone that belongs to another account? The big issue with that is you end up having um, your process introduce a ton of waiting time and a ton of friction for the customer without introducing benefits. Like essentially having a lead wait for you know two days to get a response because you needed 30 minutes to determine which SDR to assign to him doesn't really make it that helpful, especially since most of the time, the allocation of the SDR is not based on relevance. So I've seen very few companies that are going to assign an SDR um, to a lead because they are a subject expert matter in the industry of that lead. Generally, it's really just like random round robin and like territory management. So essentially, when you start looking at it, you can start looking at all the points of friction in your sales process once you've gone through it and figure out for each of them, is it due to process? Is it inherent? Uh, and if it's due to process, figuring out how you can reduce it. Yeah, because I mean, again, from a sales perspective and from a startup perspective, I can understand why you would want to put those processes in place. Right. You've had a history of, you know, good leads only going to a subsection of your SDR team. So now you want to make sure that that's completely fair. Uh, you've got a territory management now. So you need to you need to know where the person is. Maybe you didn't immediately ask for where they are. So you have to do an IP lookup. You know, you're doing an ABM now. So you have to make sure that you're not routing a new lead to an SDR when they actually correspond to an account. And so how do you balance that desire to do, uh, have an efficient machine with 
this other aspect, which is whether the customer has a good journey. Right. No, it's, a, it's an excellent question. And that's really, uh, I guess, like, uh, ultimately, it, it comes down to, uh, like, vision and, like, C-level discussions with the CEO of, are we willing to um, potentially compromise the, you know, 100% pure fairness of our round robin to create an easier and a better experience for our customers for them to be able to purchase. Um, I mean, this is something that Drift has been talking a lot about when they talk about how, you know, forums should die and chatbots are better. I think regardless of the solution itself being the best or not, the question is, the, the point is right about forms today are cumbersome. And the only reason why you have cumbersome forms is to make sure that you can um, filter out the good leads from the bad leads. Um, which is similar to saying when you walk into a store, we're going to ask you a bunch of questions like your how much is on your bank account? Like, can we get your last two pay stubs? Um, which would be horrible, a horrible experience if it happened uh, every single time. But you do understand it will happen if you're looking to borrow money to buy a car. Right. But it will happen further down the line uh, where you want first someone to be able to understand your need. And then we start talking about the financials. Um, and so I think it's it's really about... Yeah, again, understanding where those blockers are and figuring out which are the ones where you're willing to, to compromise. I think another company that I, I very much appreciate their, their approach towards this is Calendly, right? So one of the, the ways they've been thinking about this is now they build these team pages where essentially if you um, request to talk to someone and you hit a Calendly page, it's going to give you all the time zones um, for which there is someone in the company that would be available to talk to you. So you as a customer, you get the maximum amount of time slots from which you can book a time. Um, then you book your time. And then based off of that, they're going to look at who's available at that time and then do the round robin instead of trying to do, oh, I know you're coming from Europe. So let me figure out which leads are there. Do the round robin and show you only the calendar of one rep in EMEA. I think that is like a perfect example of how you can you know, in one sense, like put your process as uh, the main constraint. And in the other case, put um, the user and the prospect as the, the main constraint. So again, it's a, it's a business decision. Um, but hopefully people are, I think, going to be pushed more and more towards putting the customer back at the center of, uh, of the whole sales and marketing approach. Yeah, I mean, it seems like customer centricity is the mantra of a lot of SaaS companies. And so it's surprising to see that in your effort to build a customer-centric product and to, and to build this great value, you sort of over time accumulated like process debt or whatever. Right? Yeah, just just building up, and and, and it creeps in. It, it creeps in uh, over time. Yeah, it's a matter of bringing back humanity into the this like sales machine that that we're building, and uh, especially in SaaS. And I think that's something where I think we veered a little bit too far onto the side of like perfectly oiled machines. And now it's a, it's a matter of bringing back, um, yeah, the humane aspect of, uh, um, of selling. Nice. Awesome. Well, Francis, thanks for taking the time to chat about that. And uh, we'll talk again soon. Yeah, for sure. Looking forward to it. Great. Thanks for joining us for the Mad Ops podcast. I've been Liam Bogar, head of brand strategy at Mad Kudu, and I'll see you again next week. In the meantime, if you'd like to ask us any questions about marketing operations, hear us cover any topics on the podcast, or if someone is a guest on the show, feel free to reach out to us on Twitter at MadKudu or email me directly at liam at madkudu.com. Thanks.